Hi, and welcome to the Female Health Podcast. My name is Mary Jo McGuire, owner of MJ Nutrition. I have a degree and master's in nutritional science, and I'm studying to be a nutritional therapist also. I work with women every day who want to lose weight, improve their relationship with food, hack their hormones, regulate their cycle, restore their periods, learn about nutrition for hormonal balance, help women come off the pill, and lots more. This podcast will be a place to talk about all things female health related, from periods, the pill, weight loss, diets, fertility, acne, PMS, and lots, lots more. I hope this platform to be educational and empowering so women can take charge of their health, their hormones, so they can feel and look their best at all stages. Hi and welcome to the Female Health Podcast. I'm back this week with another episode and this week I have a lovely guest joining me. I have Olivia Beck Nutrition and um, so she's a nutritionist in the field for about 10 years now and um, she's a big advocate for walking the walk, talking the talk as she describes it herself and she prides herself in being very authentic and um, you know believing what she um, works on and putting in, in practice for herself as well which is, is really really great. So she has her, her own time to thrive program and she does specialize a lot in uh, fat loss and improving and supporting a better relationship with food and and dieting in what seems like to be a healthy way Uh, but we'll get into that as we have a conversation together but um Olivia thank you so much for joining me today um it's great to have you here but would you like to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you hi Mary Jo thank you so much for having me on today um I'm really looking forward to this um, so, yes, um, like you said, how to summarize everything without going into too much detail. So I, I, I focus mainly on, on fat loss. Um, a lot of women, I suppose, age 35 to 55 uh, come to me. But to, in really, it's, it's for anybody at all that is looking to um, lose weight, but in a way that takes them off that yo-yo dieting um uh, train that we all can, can jump on board um, and also just trying to help people to form a better relationship with food so I could say it's a very inclusive rather than exclusive diet and that comes from a very personal story I don't know about yourself but you know I started dieting from probably the age of about 14 in the 90s you know everybody did it and at that time it was very much like okay you know, avoid fat, fat makes you fat and just avoid mm. anything that has fat in it. So when I think about the time when I was very, very restrictive, just living on maybe one fruit a day, a little bit of popcorn, white bread, you can see where this is going, all kind of high glycemic, quick releasing foods, avoid yeah. anything that had any kind of fat in it. So really just um, messing up my metabolism and doing that for years and years and years. And, you know, looking back, I, I feel um, sad and angry that you know I probably didn't know any better but then I was the same as everybody else and I see how now the trend is the same except now bread is demonized carbs are demonized eating regularly is demonized and it just upsets me right down to the core because you know I've been there I've walked the walk so I try to be as authentic as I can about my own relationship with food, about how even being a nutritionist kind of fed into that uh, disordered eating um, and how we can get so confused, even us as nutritionists, by all the information out there and about what, what we're made to believe is the right thing to do. And actually, it's very, very simple. <laughs> yeah. so a year ago, 
I don't know what clicked and I, and I try and, you know, when my clients say to me, you know, what happened because, you know, it is a lot about mindset. I don't know what happened in me, but I think for me, I started looking at, you know, I want to get fit. I want to be healthy, not I want to be the size or I want to be this on the scale. I really just turned the way I looked at what I wanted to achieve. It was like, I'm feeling really sluggish. I don't like the way that I feel and look at my clothes. I don't like the way that I think about food and this kind of being on, being good and being bad and being on a diet, being off a diet. And I found felt a little bit like I had a bit of imposter syndrome because if I had clients or I had inquiries coming in about weight loss, it was like, how am I supposed to help this person lose weight when I don't have the answers? Now, I definitely still don't have all the answers, but I definitely had to disengage from anything that was extreme dieting, that was removing food groups, that was removing um, what I felt was just life and eating and joy in food, because I'm sure you're the same. I love food. Why should I take away that thing that is so important to me? That's such a social aspect. That's such a part of, you know, sitting with my family, being with my family. You know, it's a, it's a pleasure and it's, it plays such a big part in our lives. So it was a very personal journey that I went on, even though I do make it public because I do find that um, it helps hopefully people to have a better relationship with food themselves. And so this is where the Time to Thrive program came from. About a year ago, I really did my own research and um, blocked off the information that was coming through me, media and, and different sources and said to myself, okay, what, what are the fundamentals of, of losing fat rather than losing water, rather than losing muscle, rather than what it says on the scales? Well, it's about, you know, changing body composition and looking at macros and putting yourself in a small calorie deficit. So the thought of calories and controlling calories, it just brought shivers down my spine because it just made me think about dieting and diet culture. And that was everything that I was against. But it's about how you do it, you know, and it's about how um, in doing it the right way, focusing on nourishing your body and focusing on inclusivity rather than exclusivity. Um, and so this is where I've come to now and why this program is really the sole focus of my work and how I try to help to educate people about um, how to eat in a way that means nothing is off the cards. It means you can eat what everybody else eats. You don't have to cook different dinners from everybody else and that you can still enjoy yeah. carbs, fat and everything else included in it um, and still lose weight if that's your goal with losing fat, which is obviously the more dangerous type of weight, especially for us women, as we go into perimenopause and menopause, the fat around the middle that we can you know, hold on to, we're more prone to holding on to, and what implications that have, has in terms of our overall health as well. Okay, super. Like that's a, their time to tie program sounds amazing. It's kind of like what would stop anyone from joining that? Like it's like you can have in, inclusivity, as you say, enjoyment, and still get the the benefits of that loss at the end of it, which sounds great. And like I obviously know as well that this is possible, but again, you know, it's it seems like far reaching if you're in this diet culture trap that everyone. I'm not going to say everyone. That's a very general word, obviously, but so many women get stuck in and like you said yourself even as a nutritionist we can 
not even I'd say nearly more especially can because we're surrounded by this world of nutrition food talk and diets and it's very easy to get trapped in it and you know even I remember from my undergrad course one of our assignments was to weigh all her all of her food on a scales um just to kind of get into that mindset of, of weighing to see how much is in her in her food I remember weighing out cereal and how small a portion of 30 grams was and I was like this is all I should be eating. And it just really got me into this, a very bad trap. Like I started only eating that much using semi-skimmed milk or really low fat milk. And I was so, it really kind of impaired my relationship with food for a long time. And um, I definitely do find when you're in this world, it's, it's quite easy to get into that trap, like you say, but um, thankfully um, like yourself, I took on, I suppose, more, of that inclusivity mindset and the benefits of feeling good and exercise for fitness and rather than you know losing weight only as the, as the main result the, the main goal I guess so um you said loads of really interesting stuff there that I wanted just to touch back on um one was was you know when you're going on the diets and you're doing low fat and then it was now it's like the low carb kind of or cutting out bread and things like that and messing up your metabolism talk a little bit about messing up your metabolism like do you think that like we mess it up completely when we go on these diets or what do you mean by that is um how can for someone listening to that are they and they're thinking crap is my metabolism ruined now what have I done is this why I can't lose weight what, what do you think about that yeah I mean I suppose I was when I say messing up my metabolism is probably not the right term to use but what I meant by that was that you know, I wasn't nourishing myself at certain yeah. times. And then I was probably making up for that at other times, you know, so it was yeah. like restriction and then binging. Um, and that is obviously not great for the system because the system is kind of going, yeah. okay, when's Olivia going to feed me next? Oh, now she's feeding me. Oh my goodness. Now it's like total overload. And that was kind of contributing to my, you know, inflammatory levels and, and then manifested itself in different ways for myself, yeah. you know, um, and and yeah. this, this is what it that comes down to is, you know, restricting to an extent where eventually it gets to a point where it's just not sustainable and then ending up yeah. once you start having it. And this is where women often say, oh, but I can't just have a handful of nuts because if I start it, then it'll just create this. It's like it just awakens something in me. And I'm like, that's yeah. because you probably have been, you know, depriving yourself of it for so long. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, when, sense. yeah. And so then I, I guess when how would you have the energy then to to do the activity and the exercise that goes so hand in hand with, I suppose, you know, being healthy and having, you know, good hormones and good feel good hormones and, and just feeling really good with yourself as well. If, if you're so restrictive, then um, and then it's also psychologically, it just can completely um, messes up with your thought pattern in terms of it feeds into shame and I'm not strong enough and why can't I do this meantime yeah. you know, it could be act, the actual diet itself I hope that helps 100%. to answer the question oh no 100% that's exactly it doesn't. sorry yeah 
Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it doesn't mess it up necessarily, but it probably does like adjust it or you have to adapt then more so. And like when you're in that state, like you said, when is Olivia going to eat next? When are you going to get food next? The body does get, a, it loves regularity and consistency. Whereas if we're going like long periods without eating and then a big binge and, and it's like, oh crap, can't eat again now. I'm gonna starve myself today because I ate so much. It's so confused. It starts to not know whether to say, hold on to fat or lose fat or burn fat and use energy properly so that's kind of I would how I would kind of understand messing up metabolism as well I do agree with that like to what you said it does make your body very confused and it doesn't know what to do then so it starts to basically preserve what I would I kind of describe preserving your energy in case there's a time of famine again when you do decide to say oh no I don't deserve food today because I ate like it's Easter now at the moment so you ate all your Easter eggs yesterday it's like no I shouldn't eat anything today so I'm going to hold on to um so your body's like okay nothing's eaten today so for a while your body gets into this like thought process of holding on to your fat stores because it doesn't know when that time will come again when it'll be like Mary Jo is not eating again because she's punishing herself but um yeah no I just wanted to I think that like should help people as well to understand the, the metabolism and the mystery of the metabolism it's not that it's like suddenly on off switch it's just a it's the way you kind of nurture and treat your body it starts to work with that and um sync up with what way you're eating I guess um that's exactly what exactly how you explain it like how I explain it to my clients is if they if their parents like myself I say when your kids were were small then they liked a routine they like to know when the nap time was what time their bedtime was when they were getting their bottle and if you went too long and you said oh you know I'll stretch it a bit longer or you skip the nap time it was more likely they'd get overtired they'd have yeah. a tantrum the body is like that exactly like how you explain it Mary Jo the body doesn't know then when you know when's Mary Jo going to feed me again do I need to hold on to this it's a protective mechanism the body doesn't really like to go into starvation mode because obviously it's trying to protect and re- reserve us so if you have that regularity and pattern and consistency and schedule most of the time then the yeah. body isn't going to be going to state of stress and it's not going to be boosting cortisol, which is ultimately going to affect blood sugar levels yeah. and everything is going to be in, in a stress state, which will affect your metabolism. hundred percent. So um, let's talk about like some of the, the, the main issues you see with uh, women today when you're, you are face want to achieve fat loss, what are their, what are their obstacles or their mindset blocks that when they come to you and, um, you know, I'm sure that I've, I've probably seen them too, but just, like from your experience what 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 uh, are the common ones yeah I think the common ones are probably feeling like it's it's past their time you know they just have to accept their bodies for for what they are you know because it's like oh well I'm at, at that age now where it's probably too late for me I just have to accept that it's not going to work for me and that might be because they've tried the same diet over and over again that they feel that that's the only way to do it and because they weren't able to stick to it because it was a too restrictive for them or probably wasn't supporting and nourishing them they feel like it's their fault they place the blame on, on them and instead it's really questioning well what was it about the diet that you know wasn't really suiting you you have to find something that works for you there are several different diets out there but can you sustain it and is it sustainable long term because losing weight is hard but keeping it off is harder so often women can reflect on well I lost weight before on that diet therefore I should go on that diet again but why weren't you able to keep that weight off exactly yeah that's the one thing that I would I would say. And also another thing would be 
if um, someone is trying to lose weight for an event or an occasion or to fit into something and then they go back to their old ways, it's really to say, you know, this is a long term thing. Okay, that's quite scary for some women because they can break it down into maybe four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. But it's really just to say this is really a long term way of looking at your relationship with food and, and being comfortable with taking the power back in terms of, I suppose it is just thinking about it as a more long-term approach so that they never feel like they have to go on a diet again. And this is why these fad diets, you know, often don't work. So it's really actually educating them about how nourishing their bodies and not restricting food actually in the long-term is going to contribute to their weight loss, which is what they've potentially come to me for, but also means that they're not going to put it on again because that's, I suppose, the difficulty because it, it kind of makes them blame themselves then. It must be something that they're doing wrong. They're, they're not strong enough. They don't have enough willpower. And that just feeds into shame. And it, there's no place for that. Yeah, I guess working from a place of shame is the really, is there, it's not a place for, for change to come about or positive change to come about anyway. If you're in a shame cycle, uh, you're not going to feel good about yourself. You're going to maybe engage in more negative habits, behaviors. Uh, it's just a, a, a not a great place to make positive choices. And um, I think, I guess, get to your goal of fat loss. It just, it's just not a place that will, you'll get there in the long term or for long term results. Um, do you find that with, you know, your approach, uh, which is, you know, really similar to mine when it comes to fat loss, does it take longer or what way do, for women to achieve fat loss uh, compared to say like a fad diet or uh, what kind of way do you get people even to measure their results or look at their results? Yeah, that's a great question. So again, um, weighing themselves on the scales, this is something that over time, most of the participants, and it does take time, start realizing that they can step away from the scales and they can move more around, you know, how their clothes feel, how they feel in themselves, how they look and the compliments that they're getting. So for example, like I've been following this, you know, program and what I do for a year now. And you know, people are saying to me, oh, you've lost weight, you've lost more weight. I haven't lost any weight, you know, since about last October, but what I've done is I've lost fat, I've changed my body composition. And so the, therefore the scales don't matter as much. The number on the scales are insignificant because even if I had to step on the scales and the scales were you know, five pounds up or five pounds down, if my jeans were feeling tight or I was feeling kind of bloated and sluggish or like I was holding on to a lot of water, surely that the numbers on the scales then would mean nothing. So yeah. it's really stepping away from what the numbers are saying and actually kind of saying, okay, how do you feel in yourself? You know, how are you feeling in your clothes are, is everything feeling much more comfortable what I do normally try to get um, my clients to do is measure themselves so take measurements because through the time to start program yes you will lose weight but the measurements are really unreal so if the numbers on the scales don't move in one week it doesn't matter because if they're measuring themselves and they're seeing the inches come down and they can feel and see their waistline you know, shrinking and that it's yeah. just such a good feeling rather than just relying on the numbers of the scales. Because, you know, as you know yourself, Mary Jo, depending on the time of the month, depending on how, you know, your bowels are moving, depending yeah. on so many factors, you might have had a packet of popcorn the, the day before and you're holding on to more water and all of a sudden you go, oh, I've gone up by three pounds. Like it's impossible to go up overnight. Like you have to have yeah. 
I think I worked out recently five full big Domino's pizzas to to put on a kg like overnight. Nobody's going to eat that much. So yeah. often then, and then it affects your mood. You see a number on the scale, and if it's gone up, your whole day is ruined, and you feel really, and you're judging yourself, and you're blaming yeah. yourself. Um, whereas if you measure yourself and take measurements, it's a great way to actually see how the fat mass has actually reduced. Yeah, 100%. Like I find the scales just so unhelpful really yeah they have a place and if your relationship is okay with them that's fine but it is you know even for myself in this you know I would not I don't don't know what I weigh I haven't weighed myself in years and I really don't care to know (laughs) I just don't enjoy weighing myself I think actually I joined a gym last summer and they made me weigh myself and and I did not enjoy the process you know it's just not for me and I just like you um I way prefer to go by how I'm feeling in my clothes and like if my jeans fit me comfortably and um, I feel good in them that's way more important than a number on a scale it's about you know you exude more confidence when you feel good in your clothes and that you know that that's what I kind of get people to to go by as well so like you said what's the point of being you know maybe down on the scales but you're really uncomfortable in your clothes or your you know your jeans are just not feeling good on you or whatever it is um your dress or whatever so that's a, a better metric to go by and then yes of course the measurements coming down and like we know as well like you know measurements equate to better um health overall and and better uh, reduce your outcome of you know other diseases as well you know when your waist is going down or your waist to hip ratio is in a better uh, and more favorable range all of that is more preferable and more easy you know um rather than this bmi you know and uh, the the number on the scales it it doesn't equate to just tell us that much about our health whereas measurements actually can tell us a lot more about our health so um yeah i i agree with that it is better so if you're you know someone who weighs yourself consistently looking to see changes start by gradually weaning yourself off is what I would say you know maybe if you do every single day every second day and then every third day and just weaning yourself away from the scales and not placing as much emphasis on it pictures are another good way to um to look at your results aren't they yeah you know taking a picture of your start and then you know maybe doing that once a week or something like that and just seeing the changes and it's profound the differences you might may not like notice yourself and then you know after maybe six weeks like and then you're like oh my god I actually have it's I didn't think I did but I actually have when you see the changes in pictures so yeah I think that's a more empowering way to to do it that doesn't get you become too obsessed with numbers which is not a good place to be at Um, and people don't feel comfortable taking pictures but I'm like just for yourself it's only just something that you're comfortable in maybe that you can see a little bit of your shape and then take that same picture and just put them side by side because like you said people would often say to me Oh, you know, I, you know, my work colleague or someone said, "Oh, you've you've definitely lost weight," but I don't know if I feel it myself. It's because we look at ourselves so much in the mirror. It's only when you kind of have that time gap, um, and then you're able to see it. I think that pictures are, are definitely a really good way as well, even yeah. if it's just for yourself. You know, because people will be self conscious, but just to see that shape change um, yeah. is a really positive yeah, way to measure it as well. So you t- you work then on helping women have a better relationship with food and exercise. What what are your like? Obviously, there's loads of, of work that you do on coaching them around this. But what would be some places you would get people to start with then? Or if anyone's listening, you're like, how can I get there? What would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, it's I completely relate 
relate to anybody that is feeling really, I suppose, stuck and overwhelmed and like it just seems like a journey that seems so endless. Um, so like I said, I don't know what it was. I can't pinpoint exactly what it was, but I think what it came down to for me was exactly like you said. I was like, I don't want to, I don't care what the numbers on the scales are anymore. I just want to focus on toning up. I don't care what size I am. I just want to feel strong and toned. I want to be able to run around playing soccer with my son and not be out of breath. And just had, I knew that it was going to take time. So it's trusting in the process and not comparing yourself to anybody else. And just the only person you have to compare yourself with is the person the day, the, the week before, as in yourself the week before. Yeah. So if you can only manage, you know, 10 minutes a day of walking, that's your start. And if you can get it up to 12 the next week, you're making progress. You start where you're at and, and make it manageable for you. And don't set unrealistic expectations for yourself as well. If you're juggling a lot in your life, you know, find those times, find those periods that are going to work for you. Like, for example, for me, home workouts work for me because it just fits within my busy schedule. I don't have time to be driving to the gym. I don't need to have time to, to do things like that. Um, yes, maybe down the line that will change. I'm like, okay, what's going to work for you? You know, evening time workouts, um, you know, life can take over. It can be sitting on your mind. If you can get up early in the morning and get it over and done with, it gives you those feel-good hormones for the whole day and it won't necessarily affect your sleep. But again, you find what is going to work for you today. And like that, like I said, if it's only 10 minutes every day to go out for a walk, all you need to do is show up for yourself, put on those sneakers, get out the door. If it's a home workout, go onto YouTube, do whatever you can. Um, that's the main thing. And I think that often if we get in that exercise, get in that fresh air, get that exposure to bright light, you know, automatically our choices in terms of the food that we're going to eat definitely team, it ties in really, really well together. We just feel like, you know, I've worked really hard. I've, I've kind of maybe worked up a bit of a sweat. I've got a little bit out of breath, you know, and therefore I want to really, you know, be, be, make healthy choices with my food as well. And yeah. from a food point of view, um, and again, you know, reach out and get support. There's so much out there, but even as small as saying to yourself, okay, so, you know, when I'm eating, so for example, the biggest thing would be late night eating and cravings for sweet or salty processed food, um, I've got a huge, big, I think it's 20 something pages cravings um, e-booklet that's part of my time to thrive program. And I, I just find it, I found it really good to, even for myself to do. It was like, okay, when this has happened, what does that mean? Usually it's a stress response. So we need to look at our stress levels. We need to look at our triggers for that. And often it's because we're not nourishing ourselves enough throughout the day. So like going back to what we said about the routine, you know, sometimes we feel like by cutting out breakfast or having a really small breakfast and long periods, maybe cutting out lunch as well, trying to do that intermittent fasting. And there's a time and place if it's these people, but for a lot of people, it doesn't, in my opinion. It's not sustainable long-term. And then it comes to evening time. We've been in that kind of fight and flight mode all day long, working, 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 working. And then we walk in the door and we're just like, okay, now I'm just going to graze, 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 graze and eat everything around me that's often a huge contributor. So I always say, you know, make sure you're getting a good balanced nourish breakfast, lunch, dinner, and don't go longer than four hours without eating. Put in a small snack in between and focus on protein, protein, protein. Yeah. A lot of women are not getting enough protein. They think that it's for teenagers, people in their 20s who are going to the gym. 
I have some of my 70-year-old clients on protein powder. Their doctors approve it. Um, I'm a big advocate of protein intake. There's a fantastic meta-analysis and systematic review, which is the gold standard that came out last year saying is protein the forgotten ingredient and again it goes into the importance of protein especially for the aging population uh, particularly for women and men who are trying to watch their cardiovascular health you know the endocrine system their overall health so if you can get protein and into every meal and snack and eat regularly throughout the day together with doing some kind of exercise and keep moving forward every week from that I think that will be the biggest thing that you can do to help your overall health and and your weight loss as well yeah 100% everything you say there again I agree like there's so much in that like around like mindset shifts and not focusing on like those little small changes like you said that can make the difference like getting your daylight exposure that makes your you more in a better mood or like getting your exercise in giving you endorphins again even if it's just a walk and working from where you're at you do subconsciously whatever it is decide oh I'm actually going to eat well now today as well yeah Yeah. Um, before I'm just going to, sorry, everyone, I'm going to go and shut my window because I hear a streamer outside and I'm just worried it's going to come across on the uh, the sound. So just bear with me a moment. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Okay. We're all good. Um, but yeah, no, sorry. We'll go back to what I was saying there. Um, like, yeah and and we'll go to the protein talk as well but just before that as well I want you to just like if someone is grazing I think in the evening like look back on what you ate that whole day and like there's a reason why that's happening whether you say it's psychological stressors or physical stressors physical stressors are just not eating enough or not eating enough of the right stuff and you know whether it's even I I, I often look at uh, their breakfast and what they had and in in a lot of cases it's a low protein breakfast and then they have a a, maybe a medium protein lunch and then most of their protein comes in at dinner and then it's like they're still not satiated or full enough because they haven't met enough protein intake that day and so then it's just like they they're grazing more their blood sugar levels aren't that regulated because they haven't had the protein to do that and when blood sugar levels are out of whack that's when cravings kick in and that's when you, you want more, sh- more sugary and salty foods. The body is so, so clever. It knows what's going to give you that blood sugar hit straight away. What you would like a good, um, good blood sugar rush, which is what you want when you're maybe deprived or haven't eaten enough that day. But protein is a macronutrient that helps to regulate and balance blood sugar. And like yourself, I'm a big promoter of it. It's one of the big f- fundamentals of my PCOS group coaching is protein 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 Protein. and like again pcos is a hormonal condition that needs stable blood sugars and without going into that it's just it's showing the importance of protein for in my opinion every single person it doesn't matter if you've got pcos diabetes fat loss and it's teenager adult older person it does not matter uh protein is so so important and it's so nutrient dense as well it's not just the macro point of view it's got so many vitamins and minerals in those protein foods like our meat products our uh, veggie sources uh, there's so many nutrients in there as well that supports a healthy functioning metabolism and body so um yeah i would definitely agree and i agree that a lot of women don't eat enough of it and um, we really really don't so that's a good place to start I feel when you're yeah. making dietary changes is to look at your protein and gradually work on increasing protein into all of your meals not just your classic dinner 
uh, which is veg, potatoes and a bit of meat then. And that gives them their protein for the day. It's important that it's at lunchtime and breakfast too. And with any snack you have as well, when you have it with your snacks, they become more balanced and, and satiating and you're not, you don't want to graze. So I'd always encourage people to say have chocolate with their snack if they want it, but combine it with something that has protein, like a protein yogurt or um, maybe a little bit of um fat and protein which would be like a nut butter or something like that uh, it it depends on, on what you choose to eat but try to have some form of protein with it absolutely and i always explain it as your protein are your building blocks so your body's only going to feel that feeling of satiety once you've given it the protein that it needs to help it repair help build it help to support it so if you and i went for breakfast and i had some say so two boiled eggs on toast and you just had the toast, that's the difference between you wanting to eat for something quick, um, like coffee and, and refined grains for the rest of the day versus me feeling like, yeah, perfect, I can go three hours, no problem without even thinking about food. And that's how I explain it is. Yeah. It's really about how it's going to negate how the rest of your day depends yeah. out. So like you said, evening time, always look at the morning, always look at early on in the day. And that's quite difficult and uncomfortable But when we're used to the whole deprive until we get the hunger because hunger yeah. isn't obvious often at its height in the morning because mm. when melatonin our sleep hormone is still high from waking up and um, digestive system just isn't quite there yet so yeah. we don't have to go for big portions but what we do have then we have to focus then on on our protein and this is coming from our eggs like you said some nuts some seeds yeah. our um protein yogurts those, those type of foods yeah totally and I think it's I think something you said there just um what made me think as well I think again it's because of like diet culture and the diet trap but we fear hunger it's like we see it as a bad thing whereas you know it's actually very normal it's, it's a good sign of a, of a body when you're you know get hungry every couple of a few hours you know like you say not to be thinking of food all of the time but it's natural to be hungry you know every three to four hours maybe something like that and that's the ideal kind of way and not to dread that or fear that or feel like oh god I'm so bad because I'm hungry very very normal and I guess that like, that comes with improving your relationship with food that you see hunger as a positive thing and you treat it well then you nourish yourself with another good meal and then you forget about food like you say for another three four hours and then again your hunger hormones kick in and you eat again and when you're eating properly and nourishing yourself well enough you don't think about food all the time and that's the place you get to and it's an amazing place it's food freedom you're you're able to uh, get on with your day without obsessing over food and that's a nice place to be in if you've come from a place that obsesses about food or thinks about food a lot of the time and so yeah I think like the the question really was how do you get to that place there's a there's a bit of work there like we know there is but it's making those small little changes every single day that can make the difference like 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 you said if you're 10 minutes of walking at the moment all you can manage great work on that and then in a few weeks up to 15 or 20 or 30 minutes and so on and you know if you're only eating protein at dinner start maybe adding some protein foods to your breakfast and seeing how that difference makes you know that in that makes um, a difference with your satiety levels so eventually you get to that place but it, it does require consistency and um you know building up on the habits that you have already in place and working on them more and more uh, to get to eventually a place of food freedom <laughs> exactly and I suppose that's the thing is not everybody we never have motivation we're not always going to be motivated to do it but we have to pick one or two things and and work on that 
and trust in it and keep on going until it becomes something that we do, like you probably, you and I do protein, with protein with every meal and snack without even yeah. thinking about it because we know it's going to nourish us. We know it's going to keep us going. We know it's going to keep us full. Um, and so it's just picking one or two things so that you're not overwhelmed with, you know, a complete overhaul because yeah. body doesn't like change. We don't like change. And yeah. so if we ease into it and just, you know, it'll give it time and it is, it is time and patience, you know, we have to kind of allow our bodies to, to adapt and adjust to the, to the process and the change as well. Yeah. I think it's the same with anything really when it comes to motivation, like even say in business, like yourself, we're both running our business. Like in some days you're like, yeah, oh my God, I'm so like, I want so much I want to do. I can't wait. And then other days it's like, oh, I could not be bothered. I, why do I have to do this? But it's like having those maybe one or two things that you're just going to do that you, you commit to doing. So like in the analogy of nutrition, it could be your protein and maybe a bit of steps. Whereas in it's the same with business or I'm going to do my weekly email and record my podcast for today or and that's you know I'm going to stick to that or whatever it is just the small little things that you stick to um but I think that um you know we cannot rely on motivation in any area of our life you know it's there's always going to be something it just doesn't stay there it's it's an emotion that does fleet we have to rely on habits and automated habits to help us um stick to them on the tougher days and the days we don't feel like it as much and that's a really really important part of the process for any behavioral changes and any goals you want to reach whether nutrition diet weight loss or business yeah, relationships whatever it is you know we need to have that and uh, those habits there um so you mentioned earlier in the podcast a little bit about around perimenopause and the importance and, and menopause too the importance of um you know losing inches and, and fat loss more so than weight um and I'm guessing you work, you know, if you're especially if you're working with women over 35 and that you're probably working with a bit more of those uh, women who are reaching perimenopause or maybe are in menopause now. So what implications, I, I guess, um, does being in this stage of life have for fat loss? Is it harder? Is that a myth? Or what do you think? Harder, but I don't think it's, I don't think we can use that as an excuse to like that have you know, tell ourselves, well, you know, this is just the way it is now, you know, it's, it, the time has passed for me, I don't have, I, I can't do it anymore, I've let it go too long, because, you know, like that, I'm 42, I'm in perimenopause, so again, I practice what I preach, I'm like, ladies, it's not too late to build that strength, to feel good about yourself, you know, to, to want to make positive changes, if anything, it's more important than ever, because, I mean, the research comes out about, yes, absolutely, you know, as estrogen drops, we hold a lot more fat around our middle and we store fat generally more. So again, we have to be realistic again about our goals and, and what we can achieve, but we can definitely go a long way together with conventional treatment if we need to go that way to help to support us. Like for me, um, you know, I found that this plan um, has really, really changed um, my cycle, my PMS, my PMT, which gets worse in perimenopause, by the way. <laughs> so it's so important for women, even if they're past childbearing stage, to track their cycle. Track your cycle, become familiar with it and understand how, 
you know, how how to work around that so that, like you said, there may be times when you're less motivated. Oh, isn't that interesting? Around day 21, every month is when I'm really craving chocolates. Okay, well, next month, I know then around day 21, I'm going to have that chocolate and I'm going to enjoy every bite. And it's about working with your cycle rather than against it, but also kind of recognizing any changes that may occur and really from it, for women, from any from 35 upwards that they could be in that perimenopausal phase and it's not necessarily going to be picked up in the bloods if you tend mm. if you go to your gp you might be told everything's fine but you know listening to your body tuning in and recognizing the ebbs and flows that come with your cycle as well in terms of your energy your motivation your cravings and all of that as well yeah yeah a hundred percent and working with your cycle i think is a, it's a good way to to, to live your life really so tracking your cycle is really important I always say it it's such provides such useful knowledge for us and uh, we can get so much from that so yeah like you may feel more energized at certain phase times of the month and it's great to work with that and if you're noticing a pattern of that you can really do more of your training then maybe incorporate a bit of a hit workout too and incorporate more strength training whereas in a later phase you might want to take it down a little bit gentler exercise just more walking but still getting your movement in but not overloading the body um, and overloading the system which may seem counterintuitive or counterproductive but at the same time if you do that in that phase and then you're you're just going to overstress the system and that's going to then manifest in how you you know you want more food you'll you'll crave more um energy dense food because it's in a state of under overstress so the body requires more from you basically and that's how that works I guess so really important that you're uh, not overtaxing that system at times when it really isn't as able for it because the later phase there is more changes in hormones uh, it is more taxing in lots of ways and um, it's it's not as an enjoyable of a phase really but it's an, an important part too um, obviously and uh, it shouldn't be completely you know I always say if, if it's really debilitating whatever there's something you know wrong there but again dietary, dietary choices has such a profound impact on how your cycle works and the simple thing of having protein with your meals and regulating your blood sugars can have a huge effect on how you're better PMS and PMT and not having as much um as much cravings during that phase so um again it, it may sound simple oh that's all it takes but when your body receives that message consistently it does start to um work better with you as well because i i do kind of see hormones as like a hierarchy if our blood sugars like insulin and cortisol the main hormones are off the rest are going to be off and that will manifest in bad pms and bad periods and all of that so really the simple things for fat loss also will help your your hormones and your periods and your PMS and you know I don't work as much with perimenopause and, and menopause but you know I, I do kind of believe it would have still good impacts on those phases as well understanding just how hormones work and um, so yeah really work with your cycle and 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 tune into it a wee bit more it can have such a big difference definitely because I suppose we're kind of really hard on ourselves aren't we Mary Jo like we're often kind of just going oh, you know, today I'm just not really feeling it. But whereas if you had to look at it, there's so many free apps out there and you could say, oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. In a day or two, I'll pick up. And like you said, then I'll really go at it with my training or my exercise or whatever. Just kind of, you know, don't give yourself such a hard time and understanding yeah. where it's coming from. And over the months, then you really do start to recognize that, yeah, this week I'm not going to be feeling great. 
but it's going to pass and it's just a phase and I think it just you know takes the pressure off us and therefore empowers us to be more in control of of what we're eating the choices we make and helps us just understand that again this too will pass and and it will be okay yeah yeah and I suppose that day on the other end but um when it comes to sorry Sorry, I think there was a wee bit of a delay there. Sorry, I think I cut across you by accident there. Sorry, you continue. <laughs> no, I was saying, so when it when it comes to, to fat loss and that, um, it's about supporting the hormones as well. But the, the fat loss and choosing a nourishing program of inclusivity and adding in those proteins and that will help with that as well. So it is like a two-pronged approach. Like, yeah. in, I've got hundreds of recipes in the Time to Tire program and for my perimenopausal and menopausal ladies, I'm like, focus on the phytoestrogen rich recipes, focus on helping to support uh, your hormones through those um, plant-based proteins, as well as, you know, animal-based proteins. And that will go a long way in terms of of nourishing and supporting you um, to, like you said, ease into that transition that much easier as well. Yeah, a hundred percent. I know everything's there again. I, I'd be on the same page as you, and just that day off, like you said, that you just give yourself could have so much benefits for the next week. That you know, and you'd have so much better energy. You probably sleep better as a result of that. Just you know, you know, obviously, um, if you're telling yourself you need to have a day off every day, then there's something that's not right either. But this is more like what we're talking about. You know, if you have a consistent habit and pattern, and then you know you come up to like the the PMS phase of your cycle. And you're just really not feeling yourself that day off could have so many more benefits you know for the rest of your the week and month as well so rather than pushing yourself to the limit and taxing yourself out too much so yeah definitely um lots to be got from there but if someone is listening to this and worried oh how do I sync up for my cycle and everything don't worry about that and train you know if you're following kind of what you're saying there like just nourishing foods and for foods for supporting fat loss and 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 eating that way and eating to balance your blood sugars you're going to be helping your hormones too so it doesn't have to be complicated and and specific or you know you can only eat this at this time or anything like that no it's not don't get into it that level that's just way too complicated and there's no need you know just eat normal regular meals with like you say animal proteins plant proteins some good fiber in there fruits vegetables move your body and that you've got it then that's really it really there's no and enjoy your chocolate in there too and or your whatever it is you're that you enjoy have a pizza at the weekend with your family if that's what you enjoy it really it doesn't have to be uh overly complicated and that's where I think can it can go wrong people try to overcomplicate it too much to maybe make themselves look like really good coaches and they know so much and I you know I can I can get that but really at the, at the end of the day it's about helping our clients to um have a good relationship with food and achieve their goals in a sustainable way um, and that's and that's all about simplicity you're so right like you said it's really not complicated yeah sorry <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like you said, it's really not complicated at all. And and anybody that tries to make it complicated or tries tries to make out that they have some kind of secret formula, you know, that's that's just not true. At the end of the day, yeah, yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, nobody has any secret, and and there's there is no secret juice or you know drink or anything like that that's going to you know, give you that added benefit, it really comes down to nourishing yourself, like you said, with the protein, with the fiber, with the regular meals. Um, But something you mentioned earlier, which, again, is also a bit of a gray area, and we have to obviously be careful about, like you said, measuring food and all of that. But I think for me, the biggest game changer for me was because 
I mean, I've been eating really well for 10 years. I've been nourishing my body with healthy fats and, you know, all the right things. But I definitely think I was off with my portion sizes. Mm. And that was a big game changer for me as well. So my time to our program is really about, you know, helping people to understand what portions um, suit them and will nourish and help them. And that can be kind of an interesting I suppose way of looking at it where we're I suppose trying to I'd often hear well I, I'm trying to avoid bread and I know I should avoid bread and again it's like well no that it's okay to have bread but maybe not the whole loaf <laughs> you have to kind of put into con- context I think if we allow the carbs in little and often rather than all or nothing yeah um you know this is a really kind of fundamental part of my program as well and the feedback that I get is oh this is so brilliant I can I can go out have my glass of wine and you know have a bit of pita or brioche or whatever and and my friend who's on diet is like oh no 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 I can't have any of that it is inclusivity but it's just I suppose becoming aware and mindful of okay you know this is where that's enough for me for today and tomorrow I can have more. So it's just inclusivity, but within obviously some kind of constraints, depending on your exercise level um, and your total daily energy expenditure, you know, that is something that is important as well. For me, definitely was, you know, sometimes I was completely avoiding grains and then I was completely (laughs) going overboard with grains, whereas now I have grains, breads, pasta, rice, potato every day. I just know, you know, where I, and how much I need. And that's enough for me. And kind of training my eye as to how much, you know, I need and okay. what suits me. That's a big part of the program as well. And if you're Thank exercising, you. you need more carbs. And this is why you need them. And if you're not, you need more fat. And this is why you need them. This is kind of a really, really big part of the program as well. Okay, interesting. So would you get your clients and how how do you, um, I suppose, support them in finding their portion amount? Do they weigh or count calories or um, is there differences for everyone? What way do you support them on that? So there's differences for everybody. Every single person gets a tailored plan. So part of the questionnaire is that they have to, not have to, but they they need to try and come up with some kind of an idea about how much exercise and steps they can do over the six-week period during the six-week plan. And I always say, be realistic, you know, think about what's going to be practical for you. If you go over in that, that's fine. But if you go under, then you may be, you know, eating too much. So they fill in a questionnaire where they put in their age and their, their weight and their height and the exercise and their step count. And then I work out their total daily energy expenditure and put them in a small calorie deficit. Now, Great. whether they have to count calories or not, is up to them. It populates into loads and loads of recipes, vegan, vegetarian, meat-based, plant-based, you know, seafood, everything. And they can then pick and choose from those recipes. So it's, they get a plan, but then they still have the power to choose what they can have in terms of their meals Um, and if they follow the meals and in those meals there would be measurements of say their potatoes the rice their pasta whatever but over the six-week period I say move away from that now that you've been able to see just looking you know by just gauging by looking at a plate how much you know is what you require how much is going to nourish you then we can move away from the measurements but at the beginning yes there would be recipes, I suppose, but those recipes would be tailored to the person's individual needs as well. 
yeah that sounds really really great yeah again like it's something similar to myself I would I kind of educate more say on like um the plate method and like looking at like what your plate has and um you know maybe like the analogies of the fist and the hand that can kind of confuse people as well but just kind of have an idea what should be on a plate and just like an approximate portion of you know again I think we all do this but with pasta and rice we put on so much and then we fill up our plate with it whereas if we have maybe like 40 grams or something like that and just you know a rough idea of what that is that's a, a a way to still have your pasta and your rice and whatever your your bread and again it's about having nothing wrong with bread but have maybe a slice of bread with two eggs or you know um if you or hummus and um some fats as well like or something just to make it a bit more balanced and um balance that blood sugar and so you're not just having carbs on its own because that's it's just like having potatoes on their own or a rice on its own or oats on their own we need to add something else to make it less carbs and more protein yeah 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 the combining of foods is, is also a really good and important part isn't it to, to help to educate yeah. it's not like potatoes are bad they're brilliant high fiber source high vitamin c yeah have them in the jackets that's the way i love them and i love them and yeah. then it's mm-hmm. like what you put with that to make sure that you're getting the the ratios so all my recipes are based around you know high protein you know quite a good amount of carbohydrates and then and a, and a good amount of good fats as well and I think that's really important in terms of making sure that it sustains you for the three hours if you've had a meal and you're hungry an hour later you know that that meal probably was a little bit too quick releasing and now you've kind of gone down to that hypoglycemia which is where the blood sugar levels drop and then we're looking for something else that if a meal yeah. is nourishing it should easily keep us going you know for at least two and a half to three hours anyway yeah super yeah no I think all that sounds like everything you say is really similar to my thought process how I work as well and like if anyone's listened to these podcasts before we are we've, we've talked about a lot of stuff that I would say before but it's so helpful especially in the context of fat loss because I don't talk about this all the time on the podcast but it's really helpful I think for people to hear this and um, and not again moving away from the the diet trap and the diet cycle and look at it in a more empowering and positive way and just small just behavioral small. changes like you say can make such a massive difference when done consistently over time so I think that's pretty much everything so you've talked about your time to try program do you want to just kind of say if anyone is interested in in it or uh, if it sounds good for them where they can find you and um yeah just tell us a bit about that (laughs) yes I'm really active on social media Instagram and Facebook um, and then otherwise my website oliviabecknutrition.com but you can reach out to me in whatever capacity you want and ask me about how it works, what kind of support you have. I sometimes run groups, do one-to-ones. It really depends on on your individual needs. But I suppose one thing I just wanted to end off with was, you know, these podcasts are brilliant. I love your podcast. Surround yourself with like-minded people that are kind of, um, I suppose, bringing and instilling that same message to help to keep the motivation up is so important. So, you know, following people, and listening to podcasts like yourself, I just find that so empowering for women. It helps to motivate me. And then that hopefully then helps to, to motivate other people as well. So just make sure that whoever you're looking at on social media or whatever media you're, you know, you're reading or, or listening to, that it is not confusing you or making you feel yeah. like you're not good enough or you're not doing it right. But instead, it's actually just instilling in the fact that you're doing what you're doing yeah. and what you're doing is right and just kind of helps to you know, keep that momentum going for you in whatever way that works for you. 
Yeah, I agree. It's like having your environment right. It needs to be right in order for you to be able to to keep it up. And um, your environment these days is our social media as well. So if we're following people that are maybe promoting something that is not in line with, say, what you and I are saying, maybe that is something, not saying that we're right about everything, of course, but just, um, you know, if it's really, you know, not not helpful for you and that could be individual to yourself, then maybe that's time to just unfollow for a while anyway until you're in a better headspace too. So um, maybe you need to even follow us if that's the case but um we're not saying but just it's really important just to um have people on in your in your mindset or in the right frame of mind for you that that uh, make you feel good and you feel aligned with what your values are at that moment in time um but thank you so much Olivia for coming on I really enjoyed the conversation and it was great just to have you on to chat about that and make you know break down fat loss and how to do it in a simplistic and enjoyable way as well and uh, I think that's really uh, the the bones of that and how important that is you're so welcome thank you so much for having me on Mary Jo take care <laughs>